Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Transforming Trauma. I'm Eve, and this month I'm speaking with a cisgender male friend um, named Chris who offered to share what he's learned over the years um, being intimate with a survivor. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about sex and um, trust. So as survivors, many of you who are listening know that we have complex feelings associated with our traumas and it can interfere with comfort, pleasure, satisfaction, and sometimes those feelings can be riddled with guilt or shame, fear, confusion, anger. Um, Control can be a a really major issue in relation to this, um, whether we're inhibited, compulsive, avoidant, um, because of the issues around trust. And we might worry about who's in charge or how much power they have and if and when they're going to use that against us. We might decide it's safer to just, you know, be sexual with with ourselves or perhaps not at all, depending on who we are and where we're at. If we do have sexual partners, sometimes we find that we can't be emotionally close to anyone that we're sexual with or and and we can't be sexual with anyone we're emotionally intimate with. In maybe longer term relationships, a partner might feel like family and that association can really sometimes kill sexual desire when when there might have been that in the past. So we experience a split between who we're sexual with and who we're emotionally intimate with. Other unconscious associations for survivors can affect our sexuality and take it in a particular direction. For example, some survivors have a series of relationships with people who are married or otherwise in committed relationships. And this can obviously create a repetition of a a triangle or repetition of the secrecy not dissimilar from perhaps what we've experienced in the past. Um, 99% of the time, a repetition of such injury um, actually can, though drive us, um, also help to master kind of the trauma of the past. So as survivors, most of us at some point live with triggers or flashbacks or compulsive masturbation or sexual desire, disgust at our own fantasies, confusion about our preferences. 
sometimes there's dissociation during sex, hatred of our bodies, terror of pregnancy, or any number of sexual issues. Sometimes we feel sad or used after sex or guilty. We may be convinced that we don't deserve sexual pleasure, or we may be unable to feel sexual pleasure. For those listeners who have experienced sexual, child sexual, sexual abuse, um, this can affect every area of sexuality, body perception, reproduction, sexual functioning. So we're going to talk about this, and um, we'll see, see what comes up in the conversation and see what might be helpful in healing. Um, Chris, thanks for being with us today. I know that your perspective is unique and going to bring some healing and hope and some ideas for survivors and their allies who might not know what's possible. So thanks, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Chris, what was it like for you when you learned a new partner had been through some kind of trauma, and how did how did it feel? How did you respond? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, you know, I, I feel like generally uh, these things, often, at least in my experience, have been sort of fairly obvious, or it's been I've tended to bend with people who have been kind of open and upfront with their trauma. Um, so I've sort of, I, I guess, known, I've been lucky to know going in, obviously, um, that they were a survivor. And, um, and yeah, it, it's always interesting because I think most of us who don't have direct experience with trauma, um, we, when we hear these things, you know, it's very emotional, it brings up a lot of kind of issues or a lot of things that we kind of think about or associate categories, um, things like that. And so, you know, it's always interesting when you are with somebody and understand they have this complex thing that they're dealing with, um, to kind of take that without kind of preconceived notions of, of what's actually bothering them or what's on their mind or how they act. So, um, you know, so for me, in my experience, it's it's been um, it's been an exercise in learning about myself and about um, a partner, and it's been it's had a lot to do with learning about patients and kind of the nature of you know my own insecurities and my own my own feelings. Um, you know, when somebody has a complex reaction, even to me. Hmm, that's really interesting. I, I never really thought about it from that angle. I'm interested, especially in. Um, what you were saying about how you learned about yourself through being with partners who have experienced trauma and also intrigued or curious if it's been hard to kind of find the words sometimes because, like you said, maybe you didn't have direct experience. So um, p- perhaps it, you know, raised, I don't know, it's like it's, a lot of times people have no idea what to say. So it, it's, it seems like you're someone who maybe feels comfortable and hearing difficult things aren't I think a lot of people are so afraid they're going to scare someone away or um, who knows, like, did you experience any fear around what to say or what to do, what not to do? Well, uh, fear is an interesting word, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if I would necessarily call it fear, although I I guess um, this may take the form of anxiety for for a lot of people. so, for example, in my experience in the, in the past, um, you know, not not even talking about trauma necessarily, but you know, let's say you meet somebody 
who has, let's say, uh, some terminal disease or let's say cancer or something, um, I think it can at first feel a bit awkward because you don't know what you should say. You don't know to what degree you should or should not talk about this thing. Um, so in my experience, it's been very important to just kind of be open um, and to, I mean, the strategy I've taken has been to sort of try to indicate to, to this person um, that I'm very open, very willing to talk, and that I am capable of doing that without, you know, while putting my emotions aside or being mindful of them. Um, I think it's very important to show somebody that they can be open with you and that they can talk to you about these things without you, you know, maybe trying to solve it, which is a natural, trying to, you know, solve a problem, which is a natural reaction. I think a lot of guys in particular may have, or without feeling, um, you know, like you're without having expectations of, of their emotions and how they should be feeling in this moment. Um, and you know, it's tough. Uh, often these things come up and then it's just a bit awkward just because neither of you are quite sure what to do. I'm sure, I'm sure it's hard from a, you know, survivor's point of view. It must be very emotional to bring these things up and share them. Yeah, definitely. You can, you can say that again. And I'm really touched by what you're saying. Um, I wish that more, more people had that perspective because it, it is incredibly difficult to bring up and, as you sort of just alluded to, it's unpredictable. And that's one of the hardest parts. I think survivors, it take it can take years to even understand what's happening. So perhaps a partner might actually be able to communicate something that they don't even have awareness around. So it really does take good communication and pretty interesting that you're able to sort of contain your own emotions and be able to separate them from, oh, this, this person needs some kind of attention from me. I need to, you know, put whatever anxiety is coming up for me and kind of focus on what's happening because it seems important to attend to. Did I get that right? Uh, yeah. I think that when you are in a situation where somebody starts feeling a certain way and it becomes obvious to you, you know, you have to keep in mind it may not be obvious to them. Um, you know, often in, in my past, I've been with somebody who'd had a reaction and in the moment, I could tell that they were really anxious and, um, and, the, and I wasn't sure how aware of it they were. And my natural reaction of course is to feel, you know, insecure and like, you know, maybe this is because of something I did or maybe I should be doing something, something differently. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to keep in mind that, that this is an experience they're dealing with. And, um, and I think communication is really important. Um, one strategy I've always taken is when I, if I sense something wrong, whether or not I think it's real or imagined, I just bring it up. I talk about it. I ask because I think that's the only real way to kind of get onto an even footing with somebody to try to under, understand them. Like you're learning about them. I'm learning about them, but also them understanding themselves and kind of helping them to become aware of, um, you know, the, the times in which they're triggered, what things trigger them or something like this. Hmm. Sounds like a lot, a lot of work you've been doing. Um, what, so you've been learning about these experiences or through them. How would you say that they've changed the way that you, you think about consent and sex in particular? Sure. Well, um, I think one thing that's extremely important 
always to be keeping in mind with sex in general, not even in, in terms of trauma, but, um, you know, things can change at any time for any reason without somebody even being aware of why. And, um, you know, I think it's just important to be very aware of how somebody is reacting, especially how their body is reacting. I think sometimes it's kind of obvious in somebody's actions, even if, even if they're, they're, uh, what they're saying doesn't necessarily match up. Um, so, you know, I think consent is something that even when spoken is not necessarily complete. It's this, it's always a complex thing. Um, and I just think it's good to be cautious and, and to have communication and just, and again, you know, with time you build trust and, you know, the ideal is it gets to the point where, um, where if, if things just start to feel wrong, then you stop and you talk and, uh, and it's okay. And it's okay to do that. It's done in a way that's, you know, in the context of still, you know, uh, fun and acceptance and in a positive spin, you know, um, I think it's often very easy to, to get wrapped up in, in into the negative aspects of, of these conversations a lot, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I couldn't have couldn't agree more. I think I've heard of this phrase, enthusiastic consent, and I feel like what you just <laughs> shared right. is a whole other layer of that. It's what's not spoken, and I guess when we talk about consent, um, a lot of times in the news, especially lately, it's it's more about you know silence is not consent, and you can't get consent if someone's intoxicated. Clearly, you can't get consent if you're you're a child. Things of that nature. However, there is more than than just what people are are saying and. I love the idea that it is an ongoing conversation, and I, I like to remind other survivors that they can change their minds at any point, that they're, they're never obligated to have sex just because they had it once or just because they told someone they wanted to. And I think this is really hard sometimes, even when people are in committed relationships, just to, to realize that they have the right and that it's better for everyone if they can be in touch with their bodies and you know what they're comfortable with at that time because I think generally partners want that they hopefully if it's a good relationship they they want their partner to to feel as best and comfortable as they can right exactly and um and you know I I think that the anytime that you have a situation where you want something and then something kind of prevents it or or um or you can't have it right in the moment well, you know, there's things that come along with that, but generally, I mean, you kind of trust that uh, this is for the best, right? I mean, of course, I don't, if there's any question, I wouldn't want to be with somebody because, I mean, just in, in from a selfish perspective, it, it's going to make things complicated and hard for me. And of course, you know, caring about this person, you of course don't want to be doing something when it's questionable or, or when it just doesn't feel right. I think patience is just really important. I mean, we shouldn't always, we shouldn't always get what we, what we want all the time. I mean, it's part of life. We have to be able to, to deal with that and, um, you know, treat people well. Yeah. I think, I mean, you're making me think of just, I think a lot of people have really good intentions even. And I feel like societally, I'll just speak, I can't speak for all men or generalize, but it, it seems like in my experience and that of many people I care about, that 
young men and young boys aren't really socialized or, or taught about these things and I feel like they, they lose out and they suffer a lot, especially when they when they commit violations or you know, it's not it's not always I they I'd say like conscious or I think I don't want to say like not their fault, but it, it really isn't. I think our country and the world really struggles in this area in terms of understanding about restraint and boundaries and how to how to communicate and their own inability to to give voice to what what they need and want and acting out on impulses and frustrations i think just having a lack of language for people's internal experiences um it, it definitely affects people into their adulthood um so thanks for, for sharing about that that was really new and interesting and um i was wondering what advice you have for for people who are struggling as as a partner who are you know sexually intimate with somebody who has experienced trauma, what, what might you say to them? Um, sure. So, uh, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess it really depends, right? Uh, the dynamic is going to be vastly different depending on who people are, the nature of the relationship, the nature of the trauma, um, the perspectives of both people. I mean, I guess, I suppose it's hard to give general advice, but I suppose I would say that, I mean, the best thing you can really do is I think is, is somebody who's with somebody who you know is struggling is to really just practice your patience. I mean, it, it's a skill, you know, I mean, um, there are times you get frustrated. There are times when you know, you don't do everything as best as you probably could. But, um, you know, if you, if you were just constantly working on trying to make the other person feel accepted in that thing, you know, in showing them that the, the they really can be comfortable with you. They really can trust you in, in, a, in a deeper way with things that are hard, despite short-term turbulence, short-term arguments or problems or um, a mismatch of emotion or, or action or something. I mean, uh, you know, just practice, work on it. If you feel like things aren't, aren't going well and you can't figure out why, I mean, try different strategies of conversation. Try to maybe ask more questions about how they're feeling. I mean... Often we don't we don't really know why, and it, it takes a lot of work to come to a realization. It's an exercise of um, lining up with somebody else's thoughts, and those are very complex. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely hearing patience, and I I wouldn't be Eve on transforming trauma if I didn't plug self compassion because I think that is the answer to much of suffering in the world and with patience and the difficulty of these conversations, regardless of trauma, talking about sex and intimacy is challenging for everyone, I'd say. Um, having self-compassion so that when you do make a mistake or um, just the patience part, you know, not getting your, maybe your needs met sometimes or feeling frustrated, frustrated than just being kind to yourself and knowing that it will get better and easier. It just, it takes time. I think all, all relationships do and this is just one one layer that a lot of couples have to to muddle through together. Um, what would you say? Or maybe you mentioned making mistakes and miscommunications. This can be messy. So, how how has that looked for you? And what do you have any comments on that? Um, sure. So, I mean, I think mistakes are inevitable. I think miscommunications are inevitable. Um, and, uh, you know, well, going back for a moment to your point on self-compassion, I mean, I think that's hugely important because I think often when mistakes are made, it's made from a point of 
strong emotion or frustration or, um, you know, of, often things when you're dealing with, with, um, things that are hard things that cause tension. I mean, they're, they're just, there's going to be a lot of mistakes and, um, So, given that there's going to be a lot of mistakes, I feel like there's a lot of misperceptions, Chris, about like sex and trauma, and we sort of talked a little bit about it with, with consent, and is there anything that you feel like perhaps a lot of your friends or the public uh, might think that you, know, that you feel like you've learned a new perspective on that you could kind of illuminate or dispel for people who might be buying into some of those stereotypes or generalizations that perhaps you've found aren't true? Well, I would say that it's just more complicated than we ever think, really. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, the problem with just, with the problem with not having experience with something is that your only exposure to it is kind of through the lens of, of categories. I mean, you know, think about it. If you, I grew up in New Hampshire in a, in a, in Merrimack, New Hampshire. Um, it was very non-diverse. Um, and in my experience growing up, for example, I didn't have a lot of experience with, um, diversity in terms of race or religion or, or even economics too much. And, um, and I just felt like when I finally started to meet more people of, of different backgrounds, it's kind of hard to break out of your own, your own perspective and, often because you don't know much about these things really from a directly personal in a directly personal way, you have only these ideas in your head that come from other sources. And, you know, in our culture, we have a lot of sources that are quite sensationalist. I mean, we have the media, for example, think about how trauma is portrayed in the media. I mean, there's just so much, so much stuff that they don't get into, that they can't get into, and you end up with these categories, and everything is, is framed through these kind of filters, right? I mean, you hear about trauma in situations that are just usually very kind of, probably not average, very extreme or, or, or very violent. I mean, there's no, there's no sense of nuance or, or depth of, um, you know, depth of concern, so... I don't know. I mean, I really think that um, the, the key thing is to understand that, that really you don't know much about it and that really this is going to be a learning exercise for you. I mean, you're going to have to learn that these things, these reactions you have are, you know, they're valid in their own way, but they're just from a, an ignorant perspective, really. And, and the only way to improve that is to keep trying, you know, get into it, talk about it. Um, Thank you for saying that. I can't even begin to respond because there's so much going through my mind um, in the age of Trump and what it's been like for, for survivors to, I don't know, remain kind of sane in talking about the, these topics and reading the headlines. And um, it's, it's really good to know that there are people like you who are willing to, to look deeper and to learn and be open um, there, there's so much in what you just said, so so thank you for for bringing that to the conversation tonight. Um, is there something that 
if you, I mean, I don't, don't know if you're going to keep in mind the, the people who you're talking about, but a message for survivors listening that would help them to help their partners better understand what they're experiencing. So if you were talking to survivors, what, how can, what can they do to talk to their partners with more ease? Sure. Um, well, you know, I suppose that's kind of tough. Um, or what do you want them to know? Like they're having a hard time. They're feeling like, fuck, is this ever going to get easier? Like I feel like he, he or she can't understand me. What, what can they do that would make it easier on someone like yourself? Sure. I mean, um, well, I think one thing that's actually important to keep in mind is that there may be people that really don't have the tool set to be able to deal with all the things that, that come from these hard conversations. I mean, I can imagine a point in my past when I just wouldn't have been able to have this kind of perspective of, of nuance, right? I wouldn't have been able to get away from um, the things that I was constrained by in order to be more accepting. Um, so, I mean, I guess one piece of advice is you need to look out for yourself. I mean, if, there may be relationships you're in where the other person really just won't, in, with reasonable effort from you, really be able to understand. I mean, you can't always assume that that's going to be possible. Um, and I guess maybe trying to solve that is, is a very important thing. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? It's definitely a complicated question. I think if people who are listening and at least when I hear you say that, it's like, wow, that's going to eliminate a lot of potential partners because it's such a hard thing to understand. And like you've described so eloquently, it requires a lot of patience and, and care and openness, uh, acknowledgement that you don't know, you don't relate perhaps. And, um, I, I think, it is important to be selective, and I, I can think of people I've worked with and friends, and it's just so key to value your safety and comfort and know that you're worthy. I've said that to a friend recently who was struggling um, in a dating experience, and I said, you are worthy of patience. We are worthy of patience, and it was just like so important for her to hear because when you're triggered or not feeling supported in any relationship, especially sexually, it feels like you just want to shut down and it's so easy to just revert into these horrible spirals of blame and shame and isolation. Like I'm not good enough or I'm broken. And right. I think this conversation is just, is so important because I feel like underneath everything you're saying is sort of the message that survivors deserve good sexual experiences and they deserve partners yeah, who want to yeah. give that to them and share that with them and build it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, I mean, I, I think one thing that's important for non-survivors to, to understand is is that, I mean, people who have been through these things still have, I mean, they're still people, right? They still have a sexual desire. I mean, they still have a whole sexual life. Um, you know, think about other kinds of trauma. Think about, like, soldiers with PTSD. You know, they come back and um, they deal with all these things, but they're still people. They still need to socialize. They still need to meet people. Um, I think, I think with trauma, it's the same way. I, I think, um, you know, it's really important for everybody to understand that, that really they're trying to have a normal life. Um, you know, they they want. Good yes, sex. we are beyond, beyond <laughs> normal, Chris. I'm <laughs> shooting, right. I'm shooting for extraordinary. That's right. I think you want an extraordinary nor life. Extraordinary. Normal. Normal is overrated. That's right. That's right. So you want extraordinary sex even. It's it's not about, 
not wanting something or not being able to get it. It's just about being honest about the problems that are there. And, um, and you know, really, I, I hope that, I hope that everybody out there can, can really find a way to, um, to, to really listen to, to, I don't know, be more, be more open to other people's, be more open to, to hard problems in relationships. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to get into it. Don't be afraid to, afraid to spend time diving into it, even if it's very uncomfortable. I mean, to get past something, you have to put work in, and work involves discomfort and learning and growth, and that's always going to feel bad in in many ways. And, uh, yes, yeah, you must have listened to last month's talk. How we we need bravery and courage for these difficult conversations, but they're totally worth it with the people we care about. Um, so, just to come full circle as we wrap up the conversation today. Transforming Trauma, the name of this podcast, um, just a few words. What would you say off the top of your head that this, this title means to you when you hear those words? Sure. So uh, from my point of view, I, I think it's about transforming perspectives. It's about getting away from this concept of blame. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 feel like, I, I feel like if we're going to really trans- transform how trauma is dealt with, then we need to transform the stereotypes around it, the paradigms around it, the way people kind of really think of it at the core. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, it's, it's very complicated. I mean, and it, it, this intersects with just so many other big issues in our society. I mean, it intersects with economics and uh, race and, um, gender and all sorts of things. So, I don't know. I guess transforming trauma, transform ourselves, you know, be open, uh, be learning, engage in things that are uncomfortable. And uh, I love it. Uh, it's not an answer yeah. I've thought of before, heard on the show. Um, I think you're talking about a revolution and totally changing the way we talk about and think about and experience trauma and transforming it, transcending it and beyond surviving. I, I heard my boss, Rachel Grant, recently say, I don't want to be a survivor. I want to be beyond surviving. And I, I feel like the vision that you just described is really the, the essence of what we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I hope I hope that everybody out there understands that, you know, it's the, everybody's changing all the time. We're all changing all the time. I mean, the things you're dealing with now, um, keep working at them. Um, you know, things will change. They will get better. They, you will get to a better place if um, if you if you keep working at it. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm going to wrap up today's show, but it was a pleasure to speak with you and I look forward to continuing the conversation. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So before I sign off for the evening, um, I just want to put a plug in for Beyond Surviving podcast, rachelgrantcoaching.com. And also to keep your eyes peeled, we're going to be doing a social media campaign. So if you can share a picture of yourself as a, as a child or a young person, and perhaps write a caption or some kind of affirmation. Um, an example would be, I imagine this was the moment I learned to love myself or I learned that I could fly, something something that speaks to you. Um, I saw another post that made me think of this idea, something like a prayer, may she always feel safe, may she always be guided like this, may she always be this sure of herself, may she always be this curious, may she always be clear about what she wants, may she always be this loved um, something of, of that nature, and I'd love to see your pictures. I know that 
meditating or thinking about myself as a child has been a very healing thing. And I've actually used practices like this to, to use with perpetrators and thinking about the fact that they, they are, they are children. They were once children and sort of thinking more about what conditions they grew up in. And it's, it's, it can be challenging and painful, but it's been a really a healing process for me. So an invitation for you all. Um, thank you for listening and look forward to next month's Transforming Trauma. Take care. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.